0: Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the second Sunday in Lent, March thirteenth, 2022, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the Gospel lesson appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35, can be found in your pew Bible on page 1621 if you'd like to follow along, reading in Jesus' name, Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I must finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. A fox, a chicken, and a donkey walk into a sermon, and the preacher says, this is an opportunity that I cannot miss. There's no other way I could think of to uh, start this sermon, and I'm never ever going to get a chance to use that line ever again. So I went with it. But of all of the ways for us to analyze and consider and meditate on this passage, the presence of barnyard animals is to me maybe the most interesting. Two of these animals are referred to directly. You have the fox and the hen. One of them is anticipated, but all three are important because all three give us different insights into Jesus' mindset As he prepares for his triumphal entry and as he prepares us for his crucifixion and resurrection. And so turning our eyes back to Luke 13 this morning, first we look at the fox. Now there's quite a bit of debate as to what is going on with Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees at the beginning of our gospel lesson. Was Jesus being warned of real danger by some sympathetic Pharisees? We know from the rest of scripture that some of the Pharisees, including Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, followed him secretly. The book of Acts records that still more believed in Jesus after his resurrection and ascension. But then again, we're told that during his trial, Herod had been looking for an opportunity to see Jesus. And so perhaps it is just as likely that the Pharisees were telling a lie. Were the Pharisees here instead trying to manipulate Jesus to get him out of their hair once and for all? Perhaps they were indeed telling the truth that Herod was seeking an opportunity to kill Jesus, but they were doing so not to protect him, but to get him to flee, some commentators, as I mentioned, even think the Pharisees might, might have gone as far to lie to Jesus so as they might trap him, to use this lie as the beginning of some scheme. After all, elsewhere in the Gospels, the Pharisees are also looking for an opportunity to trap Jesus, defame Jesus, and ultimately kill Jesus. But whatever the case may be, Jesus' response is both interesting Insignificant. Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Jesus, in response to Herod's threats, real or otherwise, points to his miracles. That he, at that moment, is about the business of casting out demons and healing the sick. But then Jesus mentions a third day. And that's really where our attention should be piqued. Because he goes on to build forward from that third day into the notion about his death. And he predicts that he will die in jerusalem because he's a prophet and prophets don't do anything but die in jerusalem so what's going on insofar as herod and perhaps the pharisees are concerned jesus is a threat jesus has garnered much popularity through his miracles people are following Jesus. They're listening to Jesus. And the implications throughout all four Gospels are that in doing so, they're not listening to the Pharisees. They're not adoring Herod. And so Herod and the Pharisees, at least some of the Pharisees, want Jesus dead. But Jesus' ministry... And his message, run deeper than casting out demons and healing the sick. Everything Jesus does during his earthly ministry is to prepare the world, both his contemporary audience and us, for his death. Jesus doesn't cast out demons merely because they're evil and they torment people and they do. Jesus doesn't heal the sick merely because people are suffering, and they are. Jesus wants us focused on God's plan for salvation, and everything that Jesus does in his ministry is meant to focus on redemption. Jesus conquers the kingdom of Satan. Jesus reverses the consequences of sin, but ultimately in his death and resurrection, Jesus defeats sin, defeats death, and defeats devil for the entire purpose that we are reconciled to God the Father and so that we might have eternal life. Herod And the Pharisees want Jesus dead. And like a sly fox, they need to trap Jesus and kill him. But the thing is, Jesus has come to die. And he will do so on his own terms for the benefit of all humanity. Now, we turn our attention a chicken. As he wraps up his response to Herod, Jesus takes another unexpected turn. Jesus begins to lament over Jerusalem, and I guess, as ones often do when they're in the middle of a lament, he then naturally compares himself to a chicken. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen, gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. If Jesus first prepares us for God's salvation by performing miracles, Jesus must also, at the same time, show us the depth of our sin. And that's what the image of the hen and her brood of chicks is intended to do. There there are two competing theologies at work here in our brains and in our hearts. First, we as sinful creatures always seem to find find a way to worry about God's willingness to save us. We are always concerned that God doesn't want to save us. That God doesn't want to help. And even maybe over and above your salvation, I want you to pause and think about the last several times you prayed. If you're anything like me, and anything like the way I was raised and trained to pray, it is highly likely that the nature of your prayer looks something like you trying to convince an unwilling God to help you this time you're always trying to persuade God to be on your side in fact the whole outcome of our addiction to works righteousness isn't always that we're trying to earn our salvation but it's also because we believe we need to impress God so that he'll notice us and listen to us and maybe then accept us. But the exact opposite is true, as Jesus explains here. God wants to save you. He wants to protect you. He wants to be your refuge. It is His greatest desire, the God of the universe, to care for you. But here's the problem, and the other competing idea that I introduced. We're the ones who are unwilling. We're the ones who run from God. We're the ones who reject him. We try in our lives and in our sin over and over and over again to show God that we don't need him. We can do it by ourselves. Thank you very much. Which is why the image of the hen and her chicks is so poignant if you've never grown up on a farm or seen livestock, you will know that the one creature dumber than a farm animal is a baby farm animal. They repeatedly have an independent streak that puts themselves in the severest of problems. And so, like a mother hen, Jesus desires to gather us and care for us and like an obstinate chick we want to go out and to run away and to put ourselves in danger of being consumed now we see this behavior regularly in the pharisees in the gospels but we don't like to see it in ourselves We want to believe that we're the ones who come to God, that we're the ones who approach him, that we're the ones who offer him something, and we're the ones trying to persuade him. But Scripture says of God, all day long I have held out my hands to a stiff-necked and obstinate people. We are the ones who run. We are the ones who reject. Rather than simply repenting and turning to God, we regularly turn away from him and make matters worse. And so this is where the donkey comes in. The final verse of our gospel lesson is Jesus' own prophecy about Palm Sunday. Jesus says, Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This, we know, is the cry of the people who welcomed Jesus to Jerusalem during his triumphal entry. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's exactly what Jesus does. He comes... Jesus came to cast out demons and heal the sick, precisely because at every step of the way, we are threatened to be overcome by the effects and consequences of sin. By the effects and consequences of our own sin, but also by the effects and consequences of the sins of people around us. Jesus came to make us His children, and to gather us under His wings precisely because we are prone to wander and run and completely reject Him. Jesus came. Not as a raging tyrant, not even as a conquering king with an army of angels behind Him, but Jesus came... As a humble Savior on a donkey, ready, willing, and able to die in our place for our sins so that we might be declared by God as not guilty and entirely righteous. The point of the season of Lent that we find ourselves in right now always is that Lent finds its conclusion in Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter morning. As we reflect with the church around the world this season on our mortality and our sin and our need for repentance, Jesus comes and he takes that sin And he makes our sin his own. And he dies in our place for our sin. The end of it all is that the chicken outsmarts the fox. And the donkey delivers the king of the universe for you. For your forgiveness and for your salvation...